This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hi, curious minds out there in Synchronicity Radio Land. Welcome to CC with BB. Connecting with Coincidence with Dr. Bernie Beitman, M.D., that's me. The only radio show in the world dedicated to the study of coincidences, synchronicity, and serendipity. We are coming to you through the X-Zone Broadcast Network, located in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and broadcasting all over the world. What is the relationship between mind and brain? Does brain produce consciousness, or does the greater consciousness produce the brain? How do mind and brain interact with each other? I am a psychiatrist. I study this question in my office. I help people with medications and psychotherapy. I work in both mind and in the brain. You need your mind to recognize a coincidence and your brain to talk about it. Synchronicity spoken here. Coincidences alert us to possible causal connections not recognized by modern science. If you study your own coincidences, you will increase your curiosity about how reality works. The phrase, connecting with coincidence, is my coincidence brand. It is the name of my book, my Psychology Today blog, my website, and my social media sites. To find any and all of them, please put connecting with coincidence in your search engine. Would you like to know how sensitive you are to coincidences? Take the Weird Coincidence Survey on my website. Meaningful coincidences poke holes in the veil of reality around us. Collectively, they can make big holes for us to see deeper into the nature of reality. Our guest today went through a huge hole in the veil and has returned to tell us about his experience. Eben Alexander had a near-death experience. Near-death experiences, NDEs, awaken minds to new realities. They tear through the web of ordinary reality. NDEs are profound subjective events at the threshold of death. They often include spiritual and paranormal elements, like the feeling of leaving your body, perceiving events at a distance, and meeting mystical beings. Bruce Bruce Grayson, M.D., a preeminent N.D.E. researcher, has shown that after these life-altering experiences, people report that they see more coincidences. N.D.E.s give the experiencer a place to stand outside our conventional concepts of how the world works. Some people return from their excursions into greater consciousness to teach us how to better understand ourselves and to help our age-old, requ- age-old quest for peace and the expansion of human consciousness. Eben Alexander, M.D., is one such story, has one such teacher. Here is Eben's NDE story. After decades as a physician and teacher at Harvard Medical School and elsewhere, Academic neurosurgeon Dr. Alexander thought he knew how the brain, mind, and consciousness worked. A transcendental NDE during a week-long coma from an inexplicable brain infection changed all that. Completely. Memories of his life had been completely deleted, yet he awoke with memories of fantastic odyssey deep into another realm, more real than this earthly one. Since his 2008 NDE, he has been reconciling his rich spiritual experience with contemporary physics and cosmology. By probing deeply into our own consciousness, we transcend the limits of the brain and of the physical material realm. His story offers a crucial key to the understanding of reality and human consciousness. A pioneering scientist 
and thought leader in consciousness studies. Dr. Alexander has been a guest on Dr. Oz, Oprah, and many other media programs. His books, Proof of Heaven and The Map of Heaven, have collectively spent more than two years atop the New York Times and international bestsellers. Several years ago, I heard Evan speak at the Division of Perceptual Studies at the University of Virginia about his experiences. You have been on an amazing trajectory, Evan. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Bernie. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's wonderful having you. What has your NDE and consciousness studies taught you about the relationship between NDEs and synchronicity? Well, I would say that... um uh, synchronicities uh, were things that manifested to me before my coma, but uh-huh. I, I did not. I was very kind of unaware of the connections. I would just think, "Oh, what a interesting, ironic uh, kind of coincidence!" But I uh-huh. never realized kind of the power of connecting the dots and realizing that there could be some causality involved. That uh-huh. this beautiful way that the universe uh, gives us clues about its fundamental nature. Uh, and so it's so crucial to be more aware of them, which uh, certainly occurred after uh, my NDE. I became far more aware of kind of the patterns because my NDE completely shifted the way I look at uh, the relationship between brain and mind and the nature of consciousness. It's it's fantastic to have a neurosurgeon have such an experience because you're right in there feeling that material thing called the brain that uh, makes it seem much more real than even it is for me a psychiatrist and then to have the experience you had and look beyond is amazing so we're going we're coming to the end of this segment and we will we'll continue our discussion with Eben after a short break This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? 
wire crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good To Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Welcome back to CC with BB. Our guest today is Dr. Evan Alexander a neurosurgeon who had an amazing near-death experience and is here to tell us about what he's learned, particularly about synchronicity and coincidence. How do you, how, how do you begin to think about how synchronicity coincidences tell us about how the world works? Well, I think um, the important thing is to have a broad enough field of view in one's uh, assumptions about the nature of reality uh, that that we can really start to connect the dots and see that uh, you know some of this connectedness can have a a, a deep a kind of causal purpose uh, yeah. towards to contribute towards the meaning in our lives and and this is something that uh, I, I would say in the nine years since my NDE I've become more and more aware of that connectedness and that sense of purpose and I think that's one of the greatest gifts of NDEs in general and certainly your angle on NDEs, which is this recognition of uh, connection between many events that, uh, you know, if we're not open enough, we may not see the broad uh, kind of net of connection. And that's where I think uh, NDEs probably help us to come to a deeper appreciation for things like synchronicities. The broad net of connection. Please describe that as best as you can. Well, I would say basically there are no accidents anywhere at any time in this entire universe, that every bit of it is purposeful. Uh, And so it's important for us to uh, pay attention to that and kind of see that linkage and understand that maybe this all is going somewhere. Uh, And synchronicities, of course, are that beautiful clue as we wake up to the reality of them. They're that beautiful clue that there is much more meaning and purpose to our existence than we might otherwise surmise. Um, you had uh, a, a remarkable experience um, with your research and your birth family. Could you tell us about that? Yes. Well, I think basically to kind of uh, bring your listeners up to speed, I selected a career in neurosurgery mainly to follow uh, in my father's footsteps. Um, during my residency at Duke, which uh, went from 1980 to 87, I became especially fascinated uh, with vascular neurosurgery, the challenge of treating people with brain hemorrhages from aneurysms and vascular malformations. I spent uh, two research years during my residency from 1985 to 87 at Mass General Hospital in Boston investigating cerebral vasospasm, which is a particularly deadly complication of subarachnoid hemorrhage from aneurysm, uh, and that it maims and kills about a third of the people who actually survive the initial hemorrhage, that is vasospasm. My post-residency fellowship uh, was in vascular neurosurgery in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, 
in northern England, and then I was offered a job at Harvard Medical School beginning 1988. Now, to give a little more of the backstory here, uh, it turns out I was adopted by that neurosurgical father that I've already mentioned, adopted in 1954, and occasionally I would write letters to the children's home uh, inquiring as to any possible contact from my birth mother, and I was always uh, told that she had not connected them uh, or contacted them and that I could just forget about it. So that's what I did. I went on with my life, and uh, because of my uh, son's uh, school project in 2000, I re-entered that whole question of uh, history of our biological family. So I then wrote another letter to the children's home in 2000, uh, and, it, and it revealed they actually had contact information for my birth family, and that was due to a potentially hereditary affliction that had impacted several family members. This will all make sense in just a moment. Uh, so information that was revealed to me about my birth family in February 2000 indicated that my maternal grandfather uh, on my birth family side had suffered a sub aneurysmal subarachnoid hemorrhage that left him badly impaired for a few months before he finally succumbed. That would have been in March 1966. And to, and to, re and to reiterate, subarachnoid hemorrhage was your research and clinical focus. Exactly. That's what I was devoting my whole life to beginning in the mid-1980s in residency uh, was that whole entity of subarachnoid hem hemorrhage from aneurysms. And here was this biological relative having suffered from that disorder. Right. And I only found out about that, that this biological relative had suffered that in February 2000, which, of course, is, you know, almost uh, 15 to 20 years after I had elected to go into that field of work. Um, so, and it turns out that interestingly enough, my fa father probably evaluated that uh, birth grandfather, but of course he had no idea who we were. Oh, really? I didn't yes, know that he one. probably saw him in the emergency room at Wake Forest uh, Medical Center in March 1966, where he was sent several weeks after his hemorrhage, when it was way too late to do anything, uh -huh. uh, and he ended up dying from the hemorrhage. Now, it turns out that in that same uh, family, birth family, uh, that included that maternal grandfather who had died from a hemorrhage in 66, uh, my birth mother had two sisters. Now, in October of 1978, her youngest sister uh, suffered a subarachnoid hemorrhage and died within a day. And then her other sister uh, suffered a subarachnoid hemorrhage in September of 2004 at age 65, which seriously incapacitated her for about three years, uh, but she has gone on to make a, a miraculous recovery to the point where she's won several local golf tournaments in recent years. Now, the thing that connects the dots here is that uh, I met my uh, birth family in 2007, but long before that, uh, in August 1987, my birth sister, Kathy, learned of my existence from her grandmother. That would have been the, the widow of that grandfather that had died back in 1966. She learned of that in 1987. So she knew about me, but I certainly did not know about them, the whole birth family. Mm -hmm. And later, Kathy learned that aneurysmal subarachnoid hemorrhage was a hereditary disease. Uh -huh. She felt a responsibility to alert this unknown brother of hers through communications with the children's home. And it was really thanks to Kathy's communications with the children's home about that medical illness that, that allowed them to connect me with my birth family um, in 2007, when I finally was able to connect the dots and meet with them. Uh, so it was really thanks to uh, Kathy's concern about a hereditary disease in this unknown birth brother that she had, trying to clue me into that. Of course, she had no way of knowing that I'd already spent at that time uh, more than 15 years in neurosurgery with a main focus on subarachnoid hemorrhage and aneurysms and all that. Uh, and so to me, uh, this connection between my intense focus uh, of neurosurgery that developed in the mid-1980s with the fact that my own birth heritage, which I didn't find out about until uh, 2000 and later, uh, was due to the very same disease, that I, in fact, was at high risk of the very same thing that I had been drawn so deeply to study many years earlier. You were fascinating you, synchronicity. 
Yes, and we wanted it's fascinating. I, I told the psychiatric residents uh, this one, and they shook their heads. How do you explain <laughs> this one? I gave them a simpler one. Uh, I'd been talking about um, uh, my son and, and uh, family things. It was a family therapy seminar. And as we, I was talking about my son and the decision to have a child, um, uh-huh. uh, my son called on the phone uh, while we were having that discussion. Of and, course. <laughs> and, and, and of course, and and they said, well, they could do the probabilities on that one, which was um, which was a pretty good analysis. I, doing right. this prob- probability analysis is so important in looking at coincidences. But they shook their heads when I heard when they heard your story. Uh, right. the, well, it, it's a mystery to me too, but it's a beautiful mystery. Well, as I hear you talking about it, uh, I can begin to imagine uh, a young Eben. Um, trying to reconnect with his birth family uh, when he's uh, at Harvard trying to figure out what he wants to do with himself in neurosurgery specifically. And somehow, and this is where I ask you to, 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 to elaborate, on, uh, elaborate as much as you can, that this was a subconscious, intuitive, whatever word you want to use, way of trying to get back to find them. Right. I, I think that's very much what it was. And it's kind of astonishing how important uh, those kind of vagaries of connection, you know, the very fact that a birth sister, um, you know, had learned of my existence from her grandmother. And it turns out that all was due to a little spat that the grandmother was having with my birth mother at the time. So the grandmother, you know, at the end of this spat and trying to kind of get even uh, was, <laughs> was basically sharing the story about a birth brother. And it was due to that little vague kind of uh, um, human interaction that, that allowed all of this to start unraveling because then Kathy wanted to warn me about uh, this uh, subarachnoid hemorrhage and that was the communication going on with children. So uh, all the little things that might or might not have happened had happened in very specific ways for this entire synchronicity to unfold the beauty uh, that it shares. Do you, do, were you told what the spat was about? I'd be curious about what, what made your the grandmother bring this up. I, you know, I wasn't. Um, I, I just I was told little pieces of it, uh, like uh, her words were basically, as she talked to Kathy, her words were something like, oh, those two, referring to my birth parents, uh, after all that uh, she had done for them. And then she said something about, well, wouldn't you know it, they... Uh, uh, they adopted a baby boy when they were teenagers. And, and Kathy, my sister, said, uh, um, Mama, as she called Ivy Lee, uh, she said, I don't think back in 1954 that social services in North Carolina would have allowed them to adopt a, a baby boy as unwed teenagers. And she said, oh, well, you know what I mean. They had a baby boy and put him up for adoption. And then she just kind of stomped off. So in her mind, you know, it was done. She She'd gotten even with her. Uh, daughter by sharing the story with her granddaughter, and that was it. But who who knew that it could lead to so much kind of unraveling of information and connection? It's it, it as I hear you, it's like uh, little Mount Vesuvius is coming up at various parts of uh, people in your lives as well as you. The the subarachnoid hemorrhage, the the spat, uh, this like blows through and comes into consciousness and is acted upon. Yes. Oh, it, it just uh, it, to me, it's just fascinating to look at all those twists and turns and kind of the com- unlikelihood of, of each of these events happening. And then just to have the whole string of them coming together. It's just really beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's the yeah, that's it's really beautiful. Uh, when in my study of coincidences, uh, I am categorizing them, and uh, this is a, a far out groovy one that uh, big brings us into greater consciousness questions. Uh, I'm, as as you know, the Division of Perceptual Studies is interested in parapsychological things like uh, telepathy and clairvoyance, and one of one of my interests uh, among many in the coincidences is uh, the, what I call simulpathity, the the ability uh, of one usually family member to feel the pain of another at a distance uh-huh. this is well pretty well recognized there was in, in, in one of the quantum um, hologram articles I was reading uh, it seems to like everybody knows this happens what is the relationship between uh, uh, te- telepathic PSI psi sorts of things and what you've learned in uh, your consciousness studies well I uh, 
basically the 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 viewpoint that that I'm adopting, and this is something that will be uh, presented very strongly in a book that I've written with my life partner Karen Newell. Uh, that will come out in October of 2017. That book's entitled "Living in a Mindful Universe." Let, let's has- let's 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 stop with "Living in a Mindful Universe" because we're coming to the end of this segment, and uh-huh. then to continue with your views about telepathy and other psi events and what you've learned about them through your NDEs. We'll be back after a short break. are our personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss Shamanic Counselor and Indigenously Trained Dream Decoder, Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influenced her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, StarwalkerVisions.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen.
Welcome back to CC with BB, Connecting with Coincidence with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, where our guest today is Dr. Eben Alexander, and we are talking now about telepathy and living in a mindful universe. What a great title. What a great title. Tell us more about, uh, at least starting with uh, simulpathy, psi kind of experiences, and what you're, what you're saying in your book. Well, it really kind of comes down to the notion that there is one mind. Uh, and one mind is the creator of the entire universe. Uh, this is uh, something that becomes very clear to us in the kind of multi-pronged approach to understanding my NDE and so many other similar kinds of uh, experiences. Now, I think one of the problems here is what we're talking about is really big. It's kind of the container of all of reality for all, all of humans uh, throughout all of eternity. And that is consciousness itself. Uh, one of the things that we point out in this book is that as much as the material science that I, or materialist science that I worshipped before my coma, and I do not use that word lightly, but that materialist science that tries to say the brain creates consciousness um, really is woefully off the mark. And in, and in fact, the, the, the better way of seeing it all is that consciousness or mind is fundamental and all of the material universe emerges from consciousness. So a position that uh, in philosophical circles would be uh, known as metaphysical or ontological idealism. And I think I'm very much in that camp. And uh, it, it involves this position of realizing that mind and consciousness is the only thing that exists. And uh, also an important point is something that Karen and I often point out, uh, which is the supreme illusion. And that is the fact that brain and mind are so incredibly good at convincing us that all of the stuff out there around us, and that would include our bodies and brains, but all the stuff out there that we're aware of um, exists out there. And yet, in fact, uh, a little bit of reflection will tell you that, no, it's all an internal construct within mind. All you're doing is witnessing a model in mind that we all assume fully represents and faithfully represents a reality that is external to us. But no, none of that is true. Every bit of this is only a construct made of pure information within mind. And when you start with uh, fully grokking the power of that supreme illusion, and then you start adding in some of the other uh, ingredients like the filter theory of mind, which is that the brain is not the producer of consciousness, but that, that it's a filter reducing valve that allows fundamental primordial consciousness in as a little trickle of an apparent here and now, because even the here and now, our location in space and time is part of that Maya, part of the illusion. The fact is the world is not as it appears as come from ancient spiritual texts. And it's really this much bigger notion of consciousness, where you then start to realize that things like telepathy, things like precognition, presentiment, where our, our nervous system and our cognitive knowing uh, of events before they happen is, is very real and does occur. So our very notions of time flow seem to be built into consciousness on this side of the veil. So the connectedness uh, of mind is far greater when you realize it's not in isolated pockets that arise in the physical substrate of brain, but that in fact it's this ocean in which all of us are swimming together, uh, then you can start to make sense of things like telepathy. And, and also, you, I, I, I won't try to say your word again, but the feeling of emotions, feeling of other uh, beings, of connected beings, and of course, um, uh, shared death experiences are a beautiful example of exactly that, where souls of perfectly healthy people often go along and share the quality of a near-death experience from someone, uh, a, often a loved one, who is making that transition. I mean, that's a beautiful example of one mind and shared uh, kind of experience. So all of this is just a much bigger discussion of consciousness itself. In fact, I'd say every bit of this is no more than a refinement of the mind-body discussion and trying to make better sense of the relationship between brain and mind. I, d I didn't know about this uh, shared NDE experience that people can, that loved ones can experience it along with someone 
going through it. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, yes. Well, that is actually uh, a, a beautiful uh, example of this. Uh, shared yeah. death experiences. Uh, I will say that uh, on the road, I encounter many, many people. I've given more than 450 talks now to groups about my experience. And I often encounter members in the audience who have had near-death experiences. Extremely common, as you know. Well, it turns out, say, about 1 in 20 or 1 in 30 of those stories that I hear from the general public is actually what is called a shared death experience. And in fact, I heard these stories before I even uh, knew that definition. And it was huh. only after I read Raymond Moody's book, Glimpses of Eternity, which I think came out in about 2011. Uh, that book is all about shared death experiences. And in, in a nutshell, they have the same phenomenological properties as the NDEs that we've all heard about. But the thing that's interesting is they happen to perfectly normal, healthy people. Usually family members, they can be at the bedside. They could also be 3,000 miles away. It doesn't matter. The soul of the departing loved one can come through and grab their soul kind of on the way out. And when you hear these stories from people at the bedside, they're really amazing because uh, it basically points out how that whole consciousness model is just a construct of a reality that is nothing more than a construct because they describe it standing at the bedside with a dying loved one often when everyone is crying and then all of a sudden the wheat, the walls, the ceiling, the floor of the room disappear out into infinity. In come light bodies, angels, light beings to escort the soul of the departing uh, loved one away and then the soul of the bystander gets whisked along even to the point of witnessing a full-blown life review. And then the bystander soul comes back to this world. And they're fascinating stories to hear. And, of course, they completely obliterate those nonsensical medical and scientific pseudo-explanations that try to blame NDEs on or attribute them to oxygen tension in the brain or CO2 buildup or what have you. Because these are happening in people who are physiologically normal. And one other thing I'd point out is there's a fellow in uh, Santa Barbara, California, William Peters, who is, has what's called the Shared Crossing Initiative, where he is actually working with people to train hospice workers and other healthcare workers who deal with the dying, as well as interested family members, uh, to help generate an environment where they might uh, be more likely to experience a shared death experience. So they're fascinating uh, contribution to this overall literature and discussion about near-death experiences. What are some of the ways that he's trying to facilitate the shared death experience? Well, he, he has a whole protocol, and if you, you go to a Shared Crossing Initiative on the net, you can see exactly what, what he's doing there. But uh, the thing that interests me is he's in a recent communication, he told us that he had, this was from maybe four or five months ago, uh, said that he had to date more than 200 uh, participants in these programs And the amazing thing was he said about 80% of those people had had a a kind of a significant experience of some sort around the passing of a loved one or or of a patient or what have you. But about 50% had had a fairly strong experience that might qualify as a true uh, shared death experience. So it's it's really, uh, I'm not sure of the details uh, of exactly how he does that. That's okay. Uh, Mike, I got close to that, um, something like that, a hint of that, um, when I was standing at a sink in San Francisco in 1973, uncontrollably choking. Something was in my throat, and I couldn't get it out. I kept choking, choking, and then it stopped. And I found out that that the next day, at the same time I was choking, uh, my father, 3,000 miles away, had choked and died on his own blood. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Yes, I've heard that kind of story many a time, and they absolutely get your attention. There are way too many of them out there to (laughs) to just kind of say, well, that's just the odds. And just just the odds, very low odds, and so many of them. But what you're describing is an expansion of that. It's not just feeling the body going through death. It's feeling the soul experiencing death. Yes, it's really uh, participating, I mean, to the point of witnessing that full-blown, unlimited, unconditional love of that realm. And, of course, anyone who touches that 
it, it transforms you forever. That's why NDEs are so incredibly powerful, uh, sensing that love. And also they often, of course, are encountering the souls of departed loved ones. So a yeah. um, bystander soul can appreciate that tremendously. And the thing that's so interesting is how they often uh, will describe that life review that they're sharing with their loved ones. So in other words, this is the bystander soul witnessing in that realm of pure love uh, some of the events in that life review. And of course, the life review, from my point of view, is just the way that we uh, kind of make amends and learn the lessons that we're still to learn if we were not able to make amends in life. Because in the life review, it, it shows you the false boundaries of self. Because much of the impact of the life review is that we become the other beings around us to feel the impact, not only of our actions, but of our thoughts uh, and and what they have on those around us. And but we have to feel it. It's the reason why we don't need an eternal hell of Christianity, because the life review for someone who has handed out lots of pain and suffering to others would truly be a hellish experience. But the fact that uh, some shared death experiencers witness life reviews of departing souls, to me, is an amazing uh, kind of factor supporting the reality of life reviews that have been reported for thousands of years across all cultures. Witnessing the life reviews of others. As I hear you talk, and specifically at the beginning um, uh, of this part of the discussion, you convey uh, almost subliminally uh, your own experience of the oneness of all things. Th- all things that the the illusion of materiality, the existence of the, the existence of thought and of love and of a continuity and an ocean of which we're all a part, and you carry that with you as you talk about it. It's a wonderful feeling to be on the on this side of it and, and hearing and feeling and experiencing in parallel what your experience, what you experienced as you talk. It's a wonderful thing you're doing. Well, I think a lot of um... You know, there's so much that is conveyed through the voice. I've, I've had many people uh, share with me that they had both read Proof of Heaven or Map of Heaven and also listened to the audiobook. Uh, and they generally are very taken with the power of voice in the audiobook and say that even though the very same words are theirs in, in the written manuscript, that the voice conveys so much more. And I think that that is something that applies uh, with this kind of telling, even over the Internet, people get that, the heartfelt connection, the resonance uh, that connects all of us together as part of this one mind is something that comes very richly through the spoken word. And uh, and that's why I love, for example, speaking at uh, IONS conferences and other conferences where you have a lot of people who have had these experiences is I, I'm convinced that the communication goes far beyond the words that are actually uttered. Uh, and it's really kind of that resonance. I see it as a heart resonance. That's something else that Karen and I talk about in, in our book, uh, Living in a Mindful Universe. But uh, it's really that kind of resonance uh, of information and a feeling of uh, empathy that we're really sharing uh, in these kind of stories. Uh, we're coming to the end of, of this segment, and you're teaching me how important it is for me to know when I'm talking about coincidences to groups that my voice and the way I say it will convey those experiences. We'll be back after a short break. Are you curious? Do you want to learn more about how the world works and have fun at the same time? Study coincidences with me, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, on my Connecting with Coincidence radio show here on the XZBN network. Listen to Jungians theorize, statisticians randomize, true believers evangelize while I categorize. I dance to the rhythm of coincidences. People who experience me see more of them. Maybe something on the show matches a thought in your mind. Let us know. Expand your mind to the weirdness happening around you. Synchronicity spoken here, there, and everywhere. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence in your search engine and find my website, my social media sites, and my blog. This 
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome back to CC with BB. Our guest today is Dr. Eben Alexander, and we are recognizing more and more together, me right now with Dr. Alexander, how one mind is what we are part of and the illusion from his experience of materia of materiality. Uh, Eben, let's go to how other people who aren't having... Um, the experiences or the co-experiences that we've just been discussing, how can they open up their minds to the greater mind? Well, one thing that uh, Karen and I realized early on in giving talks and presentations and workshops around the world was you can give people the books, the DVDs, the presentations. You can talk about this till the cows come home. But until they go within their own consciousness, they cannot possibly begin to make sense of this. So going within is crucial. Now, Another thing that I discovered, and this actually was a discovery at the same in the same hour that I first met you at that DOPS meeting in November of 2010, um, that's when I was first introduced to concepts of using uh, differential uh, sound frequencies. That is, uh, slightly different frequencies presented to the two ears can have a profound effect on conscious awareness. 
This is a concept that's loosely known as binaural beats, uh, and it was discovered by a German physiologist in the mid-1800s. Uh, but a lot of work has been done, and in fact, some of the most recent work and most powerful work uh, is through Sacred Acoustics. That's uh, Karen's company that she co-founded with her business partner, Kevin Cossey. And I would encourage anyone who's interested in this kind of uh, meditative tool to visit sacredacoustics.com um, and listen to that free 20-minute arm through headphones. It turns out this kind of technique is a way of really jump-starting uh, your ability to detach conscious awareness from the illusion of the here and now. And so I believe that... Uh, the more people can make a, a standard practice of going within. And, of course, many people out there already use centering prayer or different forms of meditation. Uh, and generally what we're talking about doing is taking the little voice in the head, you know, our thoughts, and recognizing that that is not our consciousness at all. Uh, our consciousness, the deep mystery uh, from a scientific viewpoint, whether you're talking about the hard problem of consciousness or the measurement paradox in quantum physics, uh, the deep mystery is that observer. And so in these meditative states, and if you go to sacredacoustics.com, there are some beautiful training videos that Karen has put up there for free for people to help them learn more about this. But you learn to develop that observer self within, the observer that can view that little the voice in our head, the thoughts, the voice of the ego and of the rational mind and logical thinking brain, uh, and basically see them and uh, set them aside into time out. Uh, because especially the, the role of the ego in taking that linguistic voice in our head and throwing lots of anxiety and fear and everything else the ego uses as, as its tools, uh, those do not help us going into the spiritual realm. Uh, likewise, what people often call, call the monkey mind, you know, that chatterbox of thoughts in our head, it's an easy thing to start developing your observer self and recognize that that observer or awareness is your, your deeper consciousness. And that's the part that I will tell you is also set free uh, at the time of physical death. Um, is that awareness? It becomes far greater. It doesn't diminish, as my uh, previous erroneous materialist uh, brain creates consciousness thinking would have led me. Uh, in fact, the brain is a prison. So it's when we escape the shackles of the brain that we are actually... Uh, allow this much greater access to universal mind. And, of course, that happens when we die. But we can also cultivate that through meditation. That's why I use sacred acoustics. Uh, I try to meditate an hour or two or more a day. Uh, I've been doing that for the last seven-plus years. And uh, it's absolutely indispensable. I can't imagine anybody uh, in this era uh, spends their life without going within consciousness and contacting that universal mind. It's a tremendous source of creativity, of health, uh, both healing of ourselves and of others, uh, of manifesting the power of prayer, of guidance for seeing the meaning and purpose in our lives. All of this comes from going within. And I think uh, I uh, am very convinced that uh, people don't need an NDE at all to come to know everything I know about uh, consciousness and and uh, the afterlife and the reality. Another important point about all this, of course, is that reincarnation is a big part of the package. There's no way to deny that. Uh, the, the emerging view of consciousness as all there is also uh, greatly uh, entails the notion that our souls come back again and again. And I think, as you're well aware, all of that work at DOPS by Jim Tucker, Ian Stevenson, more than 2,500 cases of past life memories in children, indicative of reincarnation. Uh, in all of this discussion about consciousness, mind, and brain, we really have to account for every bit of that empirical data. Great. Let's 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 yes, we're we got about another six minutes, and I'd like to be able to talk about have you talk about um, mechanisms that uh, might underlie some of the greater mind that we're trying to be able to touch. And one of the things that you've mentioned before to me is quantum holograms. And would you talk a little bit about what you mean by quantum holograms and how that fits into what we're talking about? Well, the way I would define that is uh, it's basically the information substrate on which the entire universe through all eternity um, has access and operates. Uh, and that <clears throat> fully includes um, the notion, uh, say, of the many worlds interpretation of quantum physics, which is Hugh Everett's interpretation, which just so happens to be <clears throat> one of the most popular 
interpretations. Now, I'm not saying that means it's true, but it, it clearly but please describe for our listeners what the many worlds idea is. Well, basically, within quantum physics, um, to put it briefly, um, any uh, subatomic observation uh, is, is predictable in a certain sense. But the evidence from quantum physics very strongly suggests to us that, uh, that the, the outcome demands consciousness in some sense. I mean, the founding fathers of quantum mechanics uh, were all convinced, like uh, Werner Heisenberg and uh, Dirac uh, and uh, Louis de Broglie and others, were convinced that consciousness was absolutely essential in precipitating out those measurements. So it's something called a measurement paradox or collapse of the wave function, how it is that in the subatomic world, uh, all of this seems to depend on the choices made by the observing mind. And, and so one of the most popular interpretations that suits the math and physics of quantum physics very nicely is Hugh Everett's mid-1950s uh, Many Worlds interpretation, which was not initially received very popularly, but in the early 70s, Bryce DeWitt and others, uh, John Wheeler, took it on, uh, adopted it very strongly. Um, and it in essence, is just the notion that every subatomic uh, measurement leads uh, to a true outcome, but each one necessitates a different universe for its expression. So in other words, at every uh, kind of instant of a possible assessment or observation of the subatomic world, uh, all the possibilities occur, and they all lead into separate branches of the universe. Now, never mind that... Uh, the people who support this idea are not necessarily telling you much about how your conscious awareness navigates a certain pathway yeah. through all those possible worlds. But the essence of the quantum hologram for me would be that it's the uh, information substrate that supports all of those multiple universes. That is, all possible outcomes that could occur exist within that quantum hologram. So it's the information substrate on which all of reality is based. I used, to hang, I used to hang around with people that would talk about uh, decision points, much like we're talking about quantum physics and observation, that once you make a decision to go that way, um, the, the other possibilities collapse. They don't exist for you, but they are still around as potentials. Exactly. And, and the general idea in the many worlds interpretation is that there is also a branch of the observer that that shares that division into each universe. Oh, uh, wow. Oh, wow. That, I, didn't, I didn't think of that. But those observers are not connected with, with each other, and that's why, even though they're the same observer. So, yes, this can make your head spin and gives many people a headache to talk about all this, but the bottom line is this is something that we go into great detail in in living in a mindful universe to try and make sense of this and point out how... Um, ontological idealism or the notion that consciousness is fundamental and creates all the rest of the universe, which essentially is what the founding fathers of quantum physics were trying to get us to all buy into. But of course, everybody is so soaked into the reality of that supreme illusion that all the out there is out there, as opposed to realizing, no, it's always been just a mental construct within mind. Uh, really, this is a uh, a revolutionary and world-changing paradigm shift that we're talking about. Uh, and it's uh, simply a, a different uh, perspective on the mind-body uh, perspective. But uh, I think, in essence, uh, that quantum hologram uh, is just the information substrate that we all have access to and that universal mind uses to generate all of reality. Uh, we have about a minute left, and it's a tough question I'm asking, but you mentioned purposeful at the beginning. Can you say briefly, I know it's hard, what the purpose of all this, what the purposes of all this might be? I would say the purpose of this is the evolution of all of consciousness, kind of along the lines of the thinking of Teilhard de Chardin in his yeah, 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 century yeah. book, uh, um, The Phenomenon of Man. Uh, and to me, that's very much what this is showing, is the whole universe exists to evolve, evolve in kind of its self-understanding, its awareness. But not only that, as it evolves, the guiding principles and underlying um, kind of rules evolve with that evolution of understanding. Uh, and in fact, just like they say, all politics is local. Well, yeah. guess what? This uh, That evolution of all consciousness throughout the universe is occurring through each and every sentient being. 
So mm -hmm. each and every one of us is part of that evolution of consciousness. Each and every one of us is part of that evolution of consciousness. So listeners, let's all continue and accelerate our evolution. Thank you very, very much, Evan, for being on the program. I look forward to talking with you again. Yes, thank you, Bernie.